Why did I have to? Oh, I went to my um, uh, acupuncturist and I wa- had to walk into the city and I was like, so alarmed. I think because I'm not used to people. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just so alarmed. You're alarmed to see people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Live from Philadelphia, you're listening to Queerona, where Philip Moore and one of his ex-boyfriends, me, George Alley, come together with a group of avant-garde co-hosts and guests to discuss life, love, death, mystery, art, and whatever. So, welcome to... Welcome to Queerona, where we have for this episode a special guest, the icon known as Brent Judson Healy. He is, <laughs> he is yes. a flaneur, someone who really <laughs> wanders the streets as an urban historian and as someone who has multiple fashion degrees and studies <laughs> in languages. He's someone who's really a person of the world and someone who has been an early rejector of social media of all kinds. <laughs> an independent thinker and my spirit animal and the person that I always harness if I'm going to flirt with a man, I pretend I'm Brett Healy. Welcome oh to the stage, Brett Healy. Hello, welcome. Hello, George Alley, and thank you for having me today. I have a lot of things to say. Good. <laughs> We're ready for them. Can I get a, a, a definition for flaneur? A flaneur is someone who kind of just, yeah, like they kind of are just these like people who live in cities and they kind of just wander around and observe. Really? Yeah, like it, it's like an old French term for people who just like to, when like France created all these boulevards, there was a name for these people who just like to walk around. It was like a new idea to walk around through cities and just like observe what's going on. The excitement of a city's lights at night. Where else could such synonyms of gaiety be spelled out in the sky but Paris, city of gaiety? So it comes from like the French, like 1790s or something like that. And is it like considered a... Uh... Like, uh, is that a title of whimsy or is it, is it a, you know, is it a profession or, or how? It was just this idea that like the public, that there should be public spaces in cities where people can enjoy them. And the people who went out to like, kind of like show off that they had like money would walk around on these newly created public spaces in Paris Uh to be seen. So these, you know, these like very wide like boulevards in Paris. Those used to be walls, and then Louis the Fourteenth, I believe, he knocked them all down and created these promenades, and that was like a new thing in cities. So they called the people flaneurs who would like walk around. Flaneurs, yes. Flaneurs. <laughs> and there's definitely a connection between the flaneur and a dandy. Okay, there can be. Yeah, there can be. Is it part of like cafe society or no? Links to it kind of involved into that yeah 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 people, people didn't hands. people didn't hang out in cities you know like yeah. this idea of like being like a, like going for a walk wasn't a thing until like 
kind of France started it because people, you know, the roads were all mud. <laughs> so like nobody wanted to go for a walk. Yeah. That was not, a, that was not fun. And people's shoes were not made for that either. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a cool term. It's like those French have a different word for everything. <laughs> I started doing, um, during the during the the, the the height of the quarantine here in Philadelphia, a lot of all walking, which I, I learned about in in a, a mindfulness class I took, where you like are your whole sole purpose is not to be listening to music or worrying about your problems or trying to get your steps in, but you're literally supposed to be walking or biking mm-hmm. around harder when you're biking, but walking right. and kind of like noticing the parts of the, of your travel that you might not notice anymore. And right. I found it really did help a little bit. Some, it really helped some days with anxiety and stress. And I did notice things I'd never really noticed, you know, appreciated things I never appreciated. I always thought it was strange in New York or Philadelphia, I imagine too, when you're walking around and everyone is just has their headphones on and they're on their phone and you realize that you really are the only person on the sidewalk who's actually having an experience of actually being there. Whereas these other people, it doesn't matter where they are, like they're on their phone. Like that's where they are. It doesn't matter what city they're in. Yeah. It's like, it's unusual to be like, you, you look around and you're like, wow, like everyone has their headphones on except me. Like, really? Like, why? You know, escapism, I guess. Don't let the world spin you around. With the new Nokia 7110 in your hand, you have the world at your fingertips. Turn and click to write a message. Use the Navi Roller to select from up to 1,000 names, each with up to five numbers and two rows of text. And they walk by you, and then, like, some of them are walking faster than you, and then, like, I get very angry when people, like, don't understand that you should pass me on the left. You know what I mean? If you're walking behind me and you're walking faster than me, pass me on the left. <laughs> you know? Do you yell that to people? Do you turn around and say that? <laughs> pass <laughs> me on the left. <laughs> Good sir. <laughs> sir. Maybe they're all, I, all from maybe they're all from England. Pass <laughs> 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 you on the right. Yeah. George, did, did you watch the Fran Lebowitz pretend it's a city? Because that's kind of part of it. That whole idea of pretend it's a city for all the tourists yeah. in New York. And I, I didn't watch it. No, but I think I think she's funny though. You know, I, I, it's on Netflix, right? She, she reminds me of you a bit of the idea of like uh, she's she's not she's saying like she's not a snob. She just thinks her opinions are right. You know, and people that agree with her. <laughs> yeah. Yes, these strong opinions. She she talks about how when she was younger, um, I read a couple of her books, you know, before she had writer's block. And she talks about how when you grow up kind of weird, you're forced to be an observer because you're not included in anything. So that kind of started her whole critiquing everything because she wasn't included in things, really. So she was always out on the outside looking in on things yeah but then when she was like in her 20s she was like in that like warhol scene and she was like going to every party in new york you know yeah she's a she's an interesting character i always think that she's a lot younger than she is she's like 70 now and i always think that she's like 50 or something you know yeah because i I would see her in new york sometimes and then you know trudging around because she doesn't did you know that she owns like a vintage um new york taxi cab yes she, she, has was, she was a driver she had, for a little while. Yeah. And she makes a joke that the color of her car 
is such a light shade of gray that straight men think it's white. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Fran, do you think New York is doing right now like good? Is it, is it doing okay? Oh, I love it. It's the worst. <gasps> Disgusting. I'll never move. <gasps> My friends, they're inviting me to their backyards for socially distanced gatherings. The only outdoor gathering I go to is the taxi line at JFK. You know why? They let you smoke, okay? <laughs> I think, though, there's something to that, that idea of, like, if you are a complicated person in any way, right, it's going to be harder and to really fit in with a group, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that with social media, we have this pressure to make sense to others and to like speak to people larger than our friend group. There's this yeah. homogenization incentive. Yes. Yeah. And, and to me, I think that's just so dangerous Redu and reductive reductive <laughs> yeah it is it's boring you know it makes our so culture it, it makes our culture worse you know it just narrows everything so much yeah i mean you know? that's a, you know even like with gay people like oh. as you know and brett you and i have talked about this for thousands of years that gay people for the most part are pretty boring homogenous homogenous yeah yeah this idea that we need to sort of like make sense or like, you know, it's weird to me when people are like, I'm talking to people for me to say like, Oh, I'm gay. Like that's not really my identity. You know right. what I mean? Right. And for some people it is, that's like, that's their thing, which is totally fine. If that's your thing, you know? But like, yeah. Doesn't that change too? Also like in the context of where you are, in your life's journey, like I have younger friends who I think it's very yeah. important for them to be gay oh. and because they're in that 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 late 20s phase and right. they're gay. Everyone knows they're gay. Love me. And right. then you kind of get into your 40s and you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, and I feel like they're, there's like something where it's like they're very coddled, like they're so used to people bending other people having to bend their views around them, you know, yeah. and make them feel, you know, well accepted, loved. Like, like, like on RuPaul's Drag Race, where they had to cut out, you know, you've got Shemail. Like every other Drag Race franchise, they've they've kept that, you know. Yeah. Like in Thailand or the UK or in Holland, but here, oh my God, outrageous! After right. that show was on for what ten years, all of a sudden people were like, "Wait a minute, this offends me." It, right. needs, it needs to change because I don't like it. Ooh, girl, you got she there. Well, I think there's something about youth that maybe all of us didn't have. I mean, I do think that it's also we're in our 40s, but I also think when we were in our 20s, identity was different. And like to be gay was more about like being a slut. Being a slut. <laughs> <laughs> Or yeah, or just being wild, you yes. know, like yes. being dangerous. I, I, yes, I think that's that's what a slut is, isn't it? I mean, we're not necessarily, yeah. you know, sexual hijinks, but dangerous, wild, it's exciting. Like, it's like that's you go, it's like you go on Grinder, and these people who are in their like late thirties are at home watching Pokemon. It's like what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? That's, had, not, that's not gonna get you laid okay <laughs> i think everybody wants you to make sense now, right you know i'm not here to make sense 
you right. know? You're not bringing into people's homes, you know? <laughs> I'm not a political figure. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to seek out, <laughs> right? you know, True. guidance from me, you know? Right. I might... I might say I'm a, you know, I'm you're a teacher. You think you're a teacher, right? Not <laughs> do you really. This, do you say this in class? You don't need to seek guidance. <laughs> no, I don't think I'm gonna. I don't. I don't think that's the role of a professor is to to give guide. I, I'm there to facilitate where you are and help you get to where you need to be, but it has nothing to do with you being me or 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 some kind of weird 20th century system of like uh, apprenticeship to be the next George Alley, you know? But, but your class specifically, you pick the content. It's not like a class that maybe is a set body of knowledge. You're sort of picking punk, but there's a lot of dance and correct three weeks on P Burns, for example. Correct. Yeah, that seems a little guiding. <laughs> you don't because have to be me, me, but we're gonna do two weeks on Boy George, three weeks on Pete Burns, and if if you six... disagree with me, you're wrong. <laughs> Correct. Really, no guidance there. Other, some people call it authority. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always say that in the beginning. I'm like, I'm biased. I'm a biased person. This is about me. This is about my entry into this. And if you can take something from it, great. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the thing too I was thinking about is we did have that opportunity that I don't think that people in their twenties have now is you could be, you weren't monitored by social media. So you could really do whatever. And like, you got to like experience things without everything you did being a mistake, you know, or even the social media itself was different, you know? Yeah. Cause it's like the, cause I think the internet, you know, it never forgets things. So yeah, if you did something, if you're like in your twenties today, and you did something like these celebrities, they posted things in 2015 that are resurfacing. Now they get all this shit for it. Right. Whereas we didn't have, you know, there was no supervision. George and I went to the same college, the college of Worcester, and there was no supervision at all. Brett, let me ask you a question about that since you brought it up. Yes. Were you part of this um, station wagon that would drive around the town of Worcester and harass straight people? Yes, I will. I know it's a, ha- it's a hashtag me too moment that I. <laughs> it came out on a previous, that, previous that episode. And I just thought we'd. It was a black mercury sable. <laughs> oh yeah. It was also in the sable. Yeah. <laughs> black mercury sable belonging to George Alley. <laughs> I'm sure that we've all done things that are inappropriate when we've been heavily drinking and we're around other gay people, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's a, there's a certain understanding between men, whether they're gay or not. That's just my take on it. Well, there's a big difference between like real actual sexual harassment and hit on somebody at a party. I've actually experienced severe 
sexual abuse, you know, and it's very different than that, you know. It's like if you're at a if you're at like a like a like a leather bar wearing a jock strap and like someone like grabs your ass, it's not like, oh my God. I Don't can't be surprised. I can't believe this happened to me, you know, on jock strap night of all places. You know, it's like, oh my God. So of course right. it so of course it did. Yeah. We've seen well, those people. In, we've seen those people in Provincetown, in in a couple of those bars, and there's the back room, and uh-huh. like they're, they're like daring, they're like kids, young people, and they're like daring themselves to go in, and, and then they're like, like, oh, like and then they run out, and it's it's just a really bizarre, interesting because what are they expecting to happen? Yeah, and I'm sure they are like speaking of identity gay, but yet they are like putting everybody else who's in that bar in this really awkward feeling of right, you know, what's going on. Why would you come here and then act all like it's so yeah. outrageous now? It's like going to see like a stand-up comedy act and then like hating the person performing, you know. It's like, well, why did you go there then? You know, why did you pay for that if you know <laughs> you know? It's like then just change the channel. I mean, Bianca Del Rio says that all the time, you know, like if you don't like me, there's plenty of other drag queens to like. She's so like, Why are you watching me? You know. Then don't watch me. You know, I you're offended by this. Yeah, and I think it's change the channel. Change the channel. Don't come to see my show if you don't like my comedy. (laughs) Tell us, Brett, about speaking of jaguars. Tell us about your jaguar (laughs) jaguar workout routine. (laughs) Oh God, the jaguar workout routine. Oh, that was that was that was like this idea I had where you 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 only ate foods that jaguars and horses would eat. Wow, it's a good diet. So it's basically meat and carrots and apples, and that's all you need to eat. Uh-huh. <laughs> maybe some grass at some point you know you like involved fitness activities that that incorporate this i remember turning around in the gym and you did this thing with chains around your neck oh because jaguars have very large necks so if you want a <laughs> neck like, like a jaguar you have to do these neck exercises where you put plates on your head you and then you do these <laughs> horrible things to your neck <laughs> which george would not do I refuse to, to do them. <laughs> I woke up the other day with a tremendous pain in my shoulder. It's just like, what in God's name did I do? I couldn't even lift my arm like above my head. Getting, getting older, you know. I we'll think it's cu- the year, years of Jaguar workouts. Well, we'll yeah. cut, as I say, we'll cut that out if we're trying to sell the Jaguar diet here. Jaguar diet. Jaguar workout. Jaguar yeah, workout. yeah, we don't want anybody to think you get nerve damage from the Jaguar lifestyle. Jaguar lifestyle. No, I, I think it's just like you guys probably know. You wake up in the morning and you're just like, why does this hurt all of a sudden? Oh, yeah. Like, why does my foot hurt? All, like, why did my foot hurt when I woke up this morning? I, I've been laying down. Like, why, why is it hurt now? <laughs> and then throughout the day, you're like, what is going on? And the next day, it's fine. Getting older, I guess. Pain travels. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of cupping, which I think is really helpful. Oh, yeah? On your back? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. For blood flow? For blood flow. I'm mixing that in with the needles and the massages and things, you know? You have a gua sha tool? No, I let, somebody else does it, you know? Oh, I like getting that. Actually, I do that to myself sometimes to my neck. Do you guys know what gua sha is? The scraping. Like a scraping, but it's a smooth tool. It's like a smooth jade tool. And you basically just like, yeah. I use oil. You put oil on your skin. You just kind of use this tool until like you're so like bruised. Yes. It's a, it's a Chinese 
a Chinese technique and it's supposed to like stimulate blood flow. I, th- I mean, it definitely does, but it looks horrible. It looks like you've been beaten after you do it. You know? Absolutely. Like if you do it and you go to the gym and you take your shirt off, people might think that you're into certain scenes. <laughs> right. That you're not in, not that you're not into like flogging and whatnot. Jaguar scenes. Jaguar attacks. Yes. Yes. Like all the cats, jaguars are aloof and independent and generally prefer to travel alone. And since they are nomads by habit, their roaming often takes them over several hundred square miles of territory. In the course of their patrols, they come to adopt a certain hunting ground as their own and bitterly resent the intrusion of other jaguars. We interrupt this podcast to bring you your word of the day. Hello and welcome to Word of the Day, where I talk to one of my oldest and closest friends, Marla Shu. Welcome, Marla Shu. Hello. The word of the day today is soup. Soup. It's a word that we've been using since 1993, and it means various things. Use soup in a sentence, Marla. It's a little bit soupy in here, don't you think, George? I'm very into that soup. It's very steaming hot. Oh, look at that. This is this is some uncomfortable soup right now. Um, we got to get out of here. This is very extreme soup. Well, there's some soup in the room, so I can't talk about it. Yes, we'll, t- we'll talk when it's less soupy. <laughs> yes. So I think that you, the listener, get an idea that soup means something, a person, place, or thing that you can't directly discuss. Like sort of just, you know, you can't discuss it around, around other people. Like it's uh, like, for example, like if I were to say to George right now, it's soupy right now, you would, you know, you would interpret that as, oh, she can't talk about it right now. Right. There's something in the room that's sensitive. So if you think about some outcast kids in high school in the 90s in Cleveland, Ohio, that there's lots of things that we couldn't directly talk about. And so we came up with this language. Our group of friends came up with this language, which we used in our band named Alien Flavors and also in our satanic podcast, uh, satanic uh, zine called The Ha. And, you know, really, it's, it's sort of translated into our lives as adults. We, we continue to use this, you know, only with each other. But those are the roots of it was more like, uh, you know, taking something that, you know, we were supposed to hide, but turning it into like our own secret language or, you know, what have you. So it felt like we were kind of taking ownership of something by by making our own language. Right. Because we were the outcasts, but we thought, let's make ourselves the cool people by alienating everyone else with this language. Hence alien flavors. Hence alien flavors and our satanic newsletter. And even later when we did a podcast together um, that was a top 10 comedy podcast. And I think many people who listen to Queer Rona are people that used to listen to the podcast, I'm Going to Kill You. Ah, yes. Which was full of this kind of conversation and vernacular. Yes. Yes. So until next time... Make sure to avoid the soup unless it's steaming hot. It's too soupy. Goodbye. Bye. I was thinking about Jada Essence Hall recently. Winner. <laughs> <laughs>
I didn't like her. <laughs> I liked her, but um, Jada, so, you know, Jada, Jada Essence Hall. Yeah, I did like her. I appreciated her. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that she was from Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So you know. She won online. She won, you know, basically on Zoom. She won right. Drag Race. And at, <laughs> some, at some point in the night, you know, after she won, they told her she won. And, and people were like, congratulations, Jada. She, like, shut the laptop. And then she was in that one-bedroom apartment with her partner by herself. And she had just won RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. And Just, that weird juxtaposition of hyper social in a weird concentrated way where you can't even communicate the way you normally would. Like there's lots of miscommunication between everyone on Zoom. There's, it's, it's, it's like a weird way. We're all like in these little Brady Bunch boxes right now. Right. Because you can just leave, you know, you can be in that, you, you can be exposed to like these, like, like you said, like a ton of social, like virtual social attention, but you're like, Oh, I'm leaving. And you just like walk away and it's like done. Right. Or just like, you know, like I would watch drag race with a group of people and we were, I'd have a, a few drinks and it'd be really social. Or like, even after we're done having this conversation, I'm going to shut the computer and I'll be here in my apartment by myself. Mm-hmm. And there's like a weird, like sadness that happens between like being thrust into this extreme social thing and then having it, uh, you find yourself back in, in uh, your place by yourself. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. It's like, the t- it's like when I was on death row all those years. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What are y'all up to? What is everybody doing? How are y'all feeling? What's popping? I think it's poor Jada has, is, has been the queen of like an empire during its lost year. Like she's the only, it's in modern times, you know, since season three or four, she's the only queen who's been in a RuPaul's winner that did not get a huge payday like the rest of them did. She got the money from the show, sure. Yeah. But she didn't do yeah. a world tour. She wasn't right. headlining prides. She, you know, she didn't get it. She didn't even get to go be the star of whatever Milwaukee drag scene. Like she got nothing. And that's right. kind of really sad because now you're literally about to crown a new queen. And so, you know, Jada, and to some extent, you know, because Jada wasn't there to pull them, I think even some of the other queens from that season, they really missed out on, you know, what is what it was usually a windfall for the for right. drug queens. And some of them go into this heavily mortgaged or in debt or have done amazing things so that they can buy clothes to win that. Like, they, they, this is... Yeah. Like people invest, you know, they get like people, people invest, they turn to, you know, they, they, they borrow money, turn to, yep. they get backers, backers, whatever. And, you know, every, this is a, you know, a chat, it just is kind of like, I feel really bad for her, you know, like, I've, and I think also at the same time, 
we know that many of the queens of color get overlooked by by a large like a large part of the fandom i'm like because i hear people all the time who are like oh i really like Gigi. i see he was cute you know they (laughs) i like Gigi too (laughs) yeah she didn't win you know and so i feel like feel like the whole operation has to give her like another year or something like they like she it's just sad it just it's like and i know this is that's the story of 2020 right or 2019 or wherever the hell we were like you know you lost you lost stuff last year it's like the the whole year is kind of a write-off a total (laughs) write-off it just is i mean like culturally (laughs) politically socially you know, it, yeah, it just, I feel that, that 2020 just kind of slurred by. It just was over so fast because it was just so everyone just wanted to get out of it. it I think like, I know more about myself now than I did last year. Yeah? Way more, way more about myself. What did, yeah. what did you discover? That I like um, the main line. I like service, in, you know, services. I like... um, Like pampering services? Pampering services. As I'm sure you can imagine, the Greenbrier Spa offers all the treatments you'd expect to find at a luxury spa. Massage, facials, manicures. And I don't know what this is, but I'm sure it's going to relax me. I went on a date with this person who owns a well-known gay club in Philadelphia, and they invited me to Continental, which is a nice restaurant, Uh you know, close to my home. And you know when somebody's like inviting you to a place close to the, your home, they're making some sort of statement, you know. That they are crazy. They know you're a lazy <laughs> asshole. <laughs> they're making. But it's maybe, also, maybe. but it's also handy because you can leave really easily. You know, there's that too. But I, <laughs> get an Uber. And I've had this experience like a, several times. I usually like it's they buy the dinner and then they want to come to your house you know, your apartment after. And half the time you're like, just because I bought that, you bought this dinner at, at Fork or whatever, it doesn't mean you're going to, you don't get something from this. But oh, then... The, depends on who it is, uh, you know. It depends on who it is. <laughs> I think it does, actually. You owe that. <laughs> you <sit. laughs> you thinking, Sammy Joe, <laughs> what a day. Who are you? Well, if you're my aunt, I'm your niece. Sammy Joe, remember? You invited me here. Well, I didn't, but your aunt probably did. Uh, you're not her? No, I'm not. Ohio. Oh, that's a beautiful state. I drove through there once. Where in Dayton did your family live? Uh, some street. I don't even remember what it was. Sammy Joe Carrington? <laughs> yes. The original Sammy Joe or the new Sammy Joe? With her ice cream parlor face. Ice cream parlor face. <laughs> So this person, they took me out for a drink or they they wanted to have a drink. And we had like several rounds of drinks and they did not pay for the drinks. I had to pay for my own drinks. You are an owner of a famous club. You invited me to, it's not famous, but it's a gay club in Philadelphia. It's It's a weird thing to do. And you invited me to these drinks. You're not going to pay for them. And you're like 10 years older than me, you know? And you're... <laughs> Sorry, I'm, are we listing the clues here to discover? The... <laughs> I'm sure you can figure out who that is. Our <laughs> listeners can go ahead and email us with your guests. We'll reveal on the next podcast.
<laughs> we, yeah. we have coming up next the missing <laughs> oven. <laughs> the, 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 the owner of this bar just wanted you to come and like give him some business, right? I wasn't at his bar. It was at uh, <laughs> Continental, but yes. Weird. I just feel like there's got to be some rules there. You know, you're inviting somebody, you're younger than them. You gotta, yeah. you gotta buy those cocktails, you know? So after the, did you eat dinner? No. It was just drinks? Yeah. And then did you bring them back to your home? No, because I no. certainly wasn't gonna do that. How did you leave the situation? How did it end? Well, I realized like this wasn't gonna be some sort of like scene. You know, at first I imagined for myself some kind of scene where maybe I'd have like a, 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 a weekly night at this place or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you thought you were going to get, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I was like envisioning certain things. Like I was like, okay, well, you know, I could deal with this person if it involves like limousine service. A new yeah. fur. A new, <laughs> a new fur. <laughs> I had a relationship with Philip. I've already had my relationship for love. Now it's relationship for money. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sammy Joe. Sammy Joe. Listen to her. Sammy Joe. You'll never get a hold of Denver Carrington. You're just a slut. <laughs> Sammy Joe. Are you into Sammy Joe? Uh, I'm a big Dynasty fan. So oh. You can't yeah. love Dynasty and not love Heather Locklear and Sammy True. Joe. And I mean, she looks so great during the whole thing. The whole you know? thing. The whole, and she's like one of the earliest uh, characters who lasted the whole time, you know? Yeah, Aaron Spelling had a real love for her. Like, it's really, I mean, he threw her in every show he ever did. Uh, always, you know? It's that because she's like insane now, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Crazy, she, gets, right? she gets arrested and she has mental breakdowns like regularly. Well, I, I think with all of these things, Half of it is, is people are making these people have mental breakdowns. You know, even like this whole thing about Britney Spears, it's like you can clearly see that Britney Spears wouldn't have had mental breakdowns if people weren't, if the media and everyone wasn't so insane and misogynist and destructive to her, you know. Paul, at the sound of a doorbell ringing, Ooh, now add the sound of a wild tornado. Okay, and now how about the sound of someone having an existential crisis? How does Quirona have such professional editing, you might be asking? How do we get all these amazing international queer special guests? And how do we get these illustrious interstitial sounds? Also, how do you cook a lobster thermidor in the air fryer? Well, all of these questions are answered for and paid by sponsors like you. Check out Patreon at patreon.com slash Quirona or Venmo a sponsorship to us at George Alley, A-L-L-E-Y, and we will shout you out or offer early access to our entire season two. Interested in Quirona merch? Let us know. For this season, we'd love to thank Mark Sykes and Pamela Tro for their generous sponsorship. Okay, Paul, let's close with an Alexis Carrington moment. At six o'clock, I like to slip out of my shoes and into something more comfortable, like a drink. I would like to share about an idea. Mm. 
It is an older idea from around 2012. However, I've been thinking about it, and I think it is also useful for all of us. George, as you had mentioned, learning about ourselves in this time. Yes. So the writer, 2012, the writer Dahlia Lithwick, who usually covers the uh, Supreme Court for Slate, wrote a unified theory of Muppet like personality. And she had this theory that all Muppets fell into either chaos or order. <clears throat> so like Ernie and Bert are the perfect example. Or Kermit right. and Miss Piggy. So if you start thinking about Muppets, are they chaos and order? And then some of the subparts of this, this theory would be that, are we attracted to the other kind of Muppet? So if you're an order Muppet, mm. are you attracted to the chaos Muppet? And do we think that we're a kind of Muppet that we're actually not? So I like to think of myself mm. as a chaos Muppet, but maybe I'm really an order Muppet. It's deep. That's I deep. love that. I, we touched upon earlier that I'm in uh, taking some classes right now at, for a degree, a master's in media studies. And one of my classes is about theorizing digital media. For their second week, we had to watch David Cronenberg's Videodrome. Oh my God. Um, which um, I had, and then we had corresponding readings to go with it. Um, I hadn't seen Videodrome since I was a kid. And I remember thinking it was freaky and weird and disgusting. And then um, uh, it is freaky and weird and disgusting, but you are seeing James Woods before he was completely repulsive. He's just really <laughs> coked up eighties in this. And he's kind of hot in it, I think. Kind of hot, yeah. Yeah, for a guy who grows a vagina on his chest that can then, you can shove a cassette, beta, Betamax cassette tape in it. Like, it goes off the rails. It's really freaky. Debbie Harry's in it, S&M. But then there's, like, these broader ideas that really tie into how does media change us? How does the act of being part of media change us? You know, when is, when are, why are we not stimulated with, back to what we were talking about at the beginning, Brett, why aren't we stimulated with walking around cities? Why do we have to constantly be absorbing information or being pushed out of our reality by increasingly more real graphic media? So it was really kind of like, it was kind of fantastic to watch. It was also fantastic to watch like this truly 80s movie where everyone's in loud suits and just smoking and like, you know, like wherever they can. And you just like, like you look at this and they're, they're in a cable, they're in a cable access station. It just feels so dated, but the ideas feel very, very relevant. Current. Current, yes. They're what people want to be doing, but they feel like they shouldn't. Yes, exactly, exactly. So I would recommend if you can, if you want a little trip, if you want, if you're into scary or you're into deep thought um, or you're bored, uh, video drone. My suggestion this week is a broader look at the band, The Psychedelic Furs. The Psychedelic Furs started in 1977, but we don't necessarily associate them as being part of the punk movement. But the psychedelic furs, often because of their association with Pretty in Pink and John Hughes movies, we sort of think of them as being sort of just like an 80s band. But the psychedelic furs have really bridged 
a lot of genres and are really like the next tie between the Velvet Underground and the Killers. And without the psychedelic furs, you wouldn't have had that sort of jump between uh, those two types of, of, of music. And I think that because they've had a lot of popular success and with some singles in the 80s, that we don't really think of them as being sort of like an important band. But I think that they are incredibly important and they are one of the bands unlike perhaps the cure where the cure kind of are not very interesting right now um i mean they're still great to listen to their old music and they still perform it well but um the psychedelic furs are still really great today and they had an album that came out less than a year ago it's a new album the album is called made of rain and it is really incredible. It's a really good album. I recommend a look back at the Psychedelic Furs, who I last time I recently saw them with my mom right before quarantine, because she also likes them. We went and saw them in, in Kent, Ohio. I feel like I've been reading lots of articles lately that talk about, like right now, since everyone's unemployed, and like lots of people are, are there's all these families that are struggling and everything to like make ends meet. And then I saw on the news, there was this, um, this like food drive in Texas, this like food bank and like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people had like driven to this food bank to get food right from like miles away. And if you look at this photo, you'll see like BMW SUVs and like Cadillacs and like Jaguars, like, people who drive these cars, these new cars to food banks. And I thought to myself, like, this is like a real problem in this country. Yeah. Like people yeah. who can afford their car payment, but they can't pay rent. And they can put gas right. in their car, but they can't buy food. Like the average American spends $10,000 a year on their car now. And these people like don't have any money. So it made me like think about how people need to reassess their mobility options in this country. Yeah. If you can't pay rent, you need to sell your car, right? Makes sense. That was one thing that I, I thought of. That's I want I want people to like I want, your, <laughs> I want I want people to like reassess their your modes of transportation, basically. Good. And I also encourage people to read about the collapse of the Bronze Age civilizations. Yes. I was reading about them a few days ago and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Like all and because they were, this article was compared to like the Bronze Age ended in like 1170 BC and they're comparing the collapse of the bronze age to what's going on today and how all these really advanced civilizations around the Mediterranean, especially Egypt, they all of a sudden collapsed and historians are still not sure, not exactly sure why, but it seems to have a lot to do with the, um, the economy, climate change, social imbalancement of like the wealthier getting wealthier. So it's like, it's, they were comparing how today's times are mirroring how these times have happened in the past before and how people, yes. still, people still can't seem to learn these things after uh, 3000 years. Like if you have yes. an extremely imbalanced society, it's not going to go well. And that's what they were talking about in this article was these, uh, all these really advanced civilizations just, there's like a huge collapse in all of them at the same time that were on top of the world and then swim into nothing. So the bronze age civilizations. 
Well, thank you, Brett Healy, for this illuminating conversation with Corona. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And until next week, have a great time in life. Enjoy things and have times. And if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love someone else? How in the hell are you going to upkeep a Porsche? Exactly. (laughs) If you can't put food in your mouth, how the hell are you going to pay gas for a Porsche? (laughs) You have been listening to Quirona. Quirona is George Alley and Philip Moore with a series of rotating co-hosts, including Matt Ray. Theme song, Undivided Attention by George Alley, available on iTunes. With editing by Paul Schuler and Philip Moore. And interstitial music by Elise Carver at Elise Carver Music. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Quirona underscore podcast.